Thanks, Marianne. That was beautiful. Morning, everybody. How you doing? Like no song, no warm up. Just going to get right into it with me. Wow. I feel for you guys. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Thanks for making it out to church. Probably like, like me, maybe you invited someone to come to church and they said, go to church. It's Super Bowl Sunday. I actually invited someone to go to church. They said, can't go to church. Super Bowl Sunday. I got to get ready. I'm like, starts at 3.15. Yep. Got plenty of time. So, thanks for being here. I know you didn't know I was speaking or anything, but thanks for showing up. You know, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, thanks for coming today. Give him a high five. Yeah. So you made a good decision today. You're smart. Tell them they're good looking, too. It's probably the nicest stuff they've heard all week. All right, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> I know it's fun to, like, say nice things to people, isn't it? Like they're good looking and they're smart, made a good decision. You should try more. Oh, thank you, Reed. Do you want to speak today? <laughs> Reese and I will have an ongoing commentary, I'm sure, back and forth. I do enjoy that, by the way. So, I've, I've talked to, you know, quite a few of you today, and I've noticed, um, and I feel like I need to, like, get this off my chest before I begin. Uh, you're, you're looking at my nose. It bothers me a little bit. I have this big cut on my nose. And I just want to go ahead and say that wasn't a product of domestic violence. Okay? Connie did not do that. She has felt like doing that, but she, she, she has not acted on those feelings. Hopefully not this week. We've had a good week. Uh, not a product of road rage or anything like that. I have a little puppy, Finley. I call her my supermodel because she's beautiful and incredibly high maintenance. And I, I don't know if that's how supermodels are, but that's kind of right. I mean, isn't that kind of what you envision? Reputation, whatever. I was cuddling with her. She was in a really, like, cantankerous mood. And I was taking pride in the fact that I had calmed her down. I was cuddling with her. I was like, look, babe. She's calm. And she turns around and goes, Hah! and bites me right on my nose. I was so mad. Man, I was so mad. Stupid. I have cuts all over me. It's actually the second time she's made my nose bleed. I am a slow learner. Uh, so you're like, okay, this is the guy that's speaking today. Yes, this is the guy. Uh, by the way, this is not a Super Bowl message or anything like that. Like, I didn't go, you know, let's put together a Super Bowl message. We're not going to talk about and debate whether or not Tom Brady sold his soul to the devil. He clearly did. So th- that's not what this is about at all. I mean, he doesn't need to be said Some things are obvious in life, okay? Just want to say that. So, boo, yeah. (laughs) Oh, sorry, got a Patriots fan right there wearing uh, wearing good old number 12. I hope that that doesn't rub off. Uh, (laughs) I actually have a title for you today, a little unusual for me to have a title. Would you guys like to know what it is? I bet you would. The title is, How to Get Everything in Life You Want. Well, do I got you now? I'm like, ooh, yeah. 
So let me ask you a question. Who here has something in your life that you desire but currently do not have? Raise your hand. Okay, this is not a hard question. I mean, 80% of you raised your hand, which is cool. The other 20% of you did not understand the question. Okay, right? You get that? You didn't understand, clearly. The question to speak, and this is the English-speaking group, right? I don't, okay. So the question was and is, how many of you currently are wanting something in your life that you do not have? Raise your hand. Doesn't matter what age you are, what gender you are, doesn't matter. We got that stuff, right? And I'm not just talking about material possessions, but it may be those things. But it could be relationships, it could be family, it, it could be wanting to fit in and friends. There are things in our lives that we like, we desire. And in fact, many of those things are like driving forces in our lives. Uh, as as Marianne, you know, shared you know, all of us at one time or another, whether we're Christians now or, or are visiting or, or thinking about seeking God or don't know if God even exists or whatever, there are driving forces in our lives. And if we don't really pay attention to what those driving forces are, we will be swept away. We're carried away in all kinds of different directions. Our wants and our desires are these driving forces. You know, as long as I can remember, I've loved cars. My one of my very first childhood memories is sitting in my dad's 69 Corvette. Uh, I'm 52. So I was born in 64. I was about five years old. It was brand new. 427, 435. You know what that is? Three twos, carburetors. And sitting in that thing, we would go to the drag strip. I know I didn't grow up like most Jewish children. you, You already know that about me. And my grandparents owned gas stations in Washington, D.C., right on Pennsylvania Avenue. Man, I wish they had kept those things. What were they thinking? What they would be worth today? Uh, Anyway, so back to those material wants. Uh, And, you know, as a kid, I mean, there are, we have, you know, these old, you know, film reels of, of like me as a, as an infant, as a one year old, two year old sitting on the hood of a car with my feet in the engine while, like, my dad or my uncle or my grandfather worked on the car. Like, I love cars. Now, this is a curse, by the way, just so you know. This is totally a curse. Every six months, my grandfather, my dad, new cars. Every six months. That was normal. I told my wife the other day, I was, like, doing the math, and I said, Babe, do you realize I have had two cars in the last ten years? That's just not normal. At least in the Cosberg family, that is not normal. I know some of you are happy driving a Prius. I get that. God knows why you are. But you're happy driving a Prius. I get it. I pray for you, and I pray for me that I am not found behind you on the highway. Yesterday, Cole and I went to look at Ferraris. It was fun. We went with a friend, Roddy, to, uh, to go look at him. And I know this is going to be weird. I, I'm talking about my desires, right? You got your own stuff, right? Just fill in whatever you want to fill in. I want to fit in and have friends. Whatever it is. I want a strong marriage. Whatever it is. And I mean, 
before God, I am walking in to the showroom and my heart is racing. Really? Really? You're like, I know you're like, man, they'll let anybody speak in this church. Pretty, pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. My, my, heart, my heart is racing. I mean, I am so excited. I like, I mean, just thinking back to it, I'm like, I'm excited all over again. Really? It's a little like, gosh, I hate to say this. I'm probably going to get in trouble. But it's, it's like that first date experience. I remember my first date with Connie. It's like, there's like this, this your heart is like, like, man, I hope this works out. I mean, she is beautiful and I, and we seem to get along and she's not high maintenance. Like, you know, anyway, I'm back to the supermodel thing, right? Back to the supermodel thing. By the way, our first date, we met at a gym. We have the same kind of um, sin, so I'll just go ahead and share Connie's. Uh, so we, we met, we met at the gym and we went like for a lunch date and she, she t- tells this story now. She told me this story. She's like, when, when we were like going on our lunch date, I had a brand new Corvette. I was, we were 21 and she had a new Z28. We didn't know, knew what each other drove. We were both car freaks and didn't know it. And she was thinking, um, you know, let me drop. She said, I want to drop my gym bag off in my car. But she was thinking, I want to show him my car. <laughs> right? It's true. And we dropped it off. And I was like, ah, it's a nice car. I was like, but just wait. <laughs> but just wait. We're going to walk over the other side parking lot. You're going to get in a brand new Corvette. Black. Beautiful. I know we haven't even gotten to a scripture or anything. Wow, is there a Bible application to this? Thank you for asking, Reese. I think there is. Uh, let's close in prayer. So, why, why do we have these desires, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know why I have some of the desires I do. I'm sure it's a product of my childhood. It's a product of my upbringing. It's a product of... Of the kind of individual I am. The same is true for you. The desires you have. Who, who you are. The, the things that you want. Sometimes we have desires, you know, because we're, we're going through difficulties in our lives and we're just trying to get through. But those things are more a product of our environment and a product of circumstance, right? Maybe it's a health issue. And look, Rob, my only desire is I want to be healthy. I'm, I'm faced with some health issues. I get that. That's a little bit circumstantial. That's a little bit a product of, you know, maybe happenstance or maybe heredity. If you dig a little bit deeper, you also have some driving forces in your life. They're driving you to be the kind of person that you are right now. They're driving you right now, whether you realize and recognize or not, they're driving you to make decisions, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Why do we have these desires? Are they right or wrong? You know, sometimes we have desires and we want to get all caught up in, is this a a right desire or a wrong desire? Is it healthy or is it not healthy? You know, I, I don't know that I have an answer for you in that. I mean, the Bible says in Psalm 37, 4, that God will give us the desires of our hearts, right? If we delight ourselves in him, God will give you the desires of your heart. He doesn't seem to clarify which ones. He's, it doesn't say, I'll give you the desires of your heart that I want to or that I place. I mean, it's like he gives you. Now, James chapter 1 says, you know, we're also carried away by our sinful desires that can lead to full-blown sin and even the loss of salvation. So... There's a lot to kind of clarify here. 
And obviously, I'm not talking just about material things, though I'm giving you some fun examples uh, for me. But, you know, maybe you're single and you want to be married or maybe you're in a marriage and it's just not happy. Uh, Or, you know, maybe you don't feel like you fit in at school and, you know, you're you're you only want to have some friends and be close to other people. Uh, Maybe your your work life is is bad. I mean, maybe you're really unhappy on your job or you feel incredibly unfulfilled in your career. Maybe financially you're really struggling and, and you want more. You want more for your family. You want, more, you want more for your children. You want more for yourself, right? We got them. We got them. So what do we do about them? Look in James chapter 4. James 4. Told you we get there. Relax. There's going to be some Bible here. James 4. I don't know how long this lesson's going to be. I have no idea. Reese asked me, how long is your lesson? I said, I have no idea. We could be done in five minutes. I may not get through the first point. So just bear with me, okay? No, 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 no. I, I got to get back home. I got to be ready. James 4, verse 1 and 6. Just some background. James is probably the oldest book in the New Testament. Uh, probably the first one written. Um, James, this James, is not the Apostle James. This is James the Just, which is the physical brother, half-brother of Jesus. Do you guys know that? Yeah. I, well, I figured you might have, Reese, but wasn't sure everybody else did. So I'm you know, trying to speak to everybody, not just you and I. But, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, this guy James did not believe in Jesus. He was not a believer in Jesus. We know that from the Scriptures until sometime after the resurrection. Um, Martin Luther hated this book, by the way. Again, just some background. Absolutely hated the book of James. I uh, called it the straw gospel, probably because James is really strong on like doing things. <laughs> you know, James is like, yeah, you know, faith without works is dead. I mean, you know, there's a lot in the book of James. And in let's read. We're going to read all of James chapter four or, or most of it. But in verse, let's read kind of verse 1 through 6, and then I'm going to do something I've never done before. And I don't know how it's going to turn out. Oftentimes it turns out very poorly, but I'm going to try it anyway, if that's okay with you guys. So James 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet. But you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God or hatred towards God? Therefore, anyone who chooses... To be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. There's so much going on here. You know what I mean? My when I speak, when I have an opportunity and I'm grateful uh, for the opportunity to speak and share, 
and I feel humbled by it. And I hope, I just hope, my prayer is that there's something here that you'll walk away with and, and help. But when I do this, like this is for me, just so you know. Like this was my study for the last week or two. And when I was asked to speak, I was like, okay, what am I going to speak on? Well, I guess I'm going to speak on what I've been looking at for me. Maybe somebody else will find this applicable to them, okay? So whether you do or don't, I guess what I'm saying is this worked for me, okay? And I hope it works for you too. So James is, is speaking kind of on two different levels. The first level he's speaking on is this is written to Jewish Christians, Jewish believers, okay? And the first level that he is speaking on is he's talking to them as Jews in regards to their Jewish heritage. So when he says something like, you desire but do not have, so you kill, he wasn't really saying that the Christians are going around murdering each other because they want something, right? Let's hope that wasn't the case, amen? What he was saying was, you know, you you Jews, us Jews, he was one, we are constantly in rebellion to the politics and the political system around us. You see, they were in rebellion to Rome on a continual basis. And in fact, in about 25 years or so after this was written, they would rebel yet another time. And the Romans would come in and completely destroy the temple and completely destroy Jerusalem. Completely. Around 70 A.D. or so. And the temple to this day has never been rebuilt. And there's debate on whether it will again and all of that stuff, but we won't dig into that, of course. They were always in rebellion. They were always fighting. You know, we see that in our world today. So there's this level kind of above us, a societal conflict level where people are not getting their way. And so there's in such conflict, they're killing each other. We can maybe see that in our own history based on, you know, whatever nationality we are. If we look back in our national history, maybe we see that. In Vietnam or World War One or World War Two or whatever number of wars there have been, we see it are the it's these desires that have driven individuals and societies to kill one another because they're not getting what they want. But there's another level. There's the level that's applicable to us because we are driven by these exact same desires. So when I went through this, I did, I did this. And I want to show you, I, this was actually, this was my quiet time. You can put that up on screen if you wouldn't mind. So I, this, is, this is what my quiet time, this is what I've never done before. I've never shown a slide in church before. It's my first slide. What do you think? Did I do okay? That's some crazy stuff right there, right? Just so you know, I did not do that for you. I did that for me. I did. Like, like this is what I, I was like trying to make sense of this passage for me. So I was like, I was like desire. Okay. So with desire, there's, there's like two results of desire. You can either get what you want and receive it, or you don't get you what you want. You do not receive it. And then James, of course, talks about each one of those individual elements. So I literally broke that down so that I wouldn't understand, okay, how do I get what I want? How do I understand this? So let's take a minute and talk through what I call the desire matrix. Ooh, go ahead and go, ooh. No, 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 serious. I'm telling you to do it. Go, ooh. Okay, good. 
That's the cool thing about speaking. Like, you can get people to do stupid stuff sometimes. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) This is, I guess, my iteration of what James is saying in the first few verses of James chapter 4. We have this desire that drives us, whatever that thing is. And on one hand, we can either receive that desire or we do not receive it. So let's walk through, just for a moment, because we all have unfulfilled desires in our lives, let's walk through the side of not receiving what we desire. Is that okay? So if we do not receive it, we do not receive it generally for two reasons, according to James. Two reasons. Reason number one is, we're not asking God. We're not asking Him. You do not get because you do not ask God. That is what he says, plain and simple. So the very first thing you have to say about something that is going on in your life that you are unhappy with is, am I really sincerely seeking God and asking God for Him to change this thing and give me what I want in my life? That's the first and easiest thing that you can do right now with something that you want. Now, it doesn't end there. But if you haven't started there, then no wonder you're not getting what you want. Now, the other hand of not receiving is, well, you did ask God, but you did what? You asked God with what? Wrong motives. Come on, Lord. I mean... What does that mean? You know, I had to write down, this is again for me, I had to write down, what what does that mean? How can I understand what wrong motives are? Let me give you an example of what I mean. Like, I am who I am. You are who you are. We have this nature within us that we are for our entire life going to be struggling against. Our whole life. Our whole life there's going to be this selfishness, this sinful nature That we are fighting against. So does wrong motive simply mean that there's something within me that wants something good to happen to me? Because if that's the case, then I'll never get anything. Right? Okay, so, so, you know, let's bring it to like right this second for me. Do I want to do a good job speaking? Yeah. I mean, I'm not an idiot. I don't want to look like a fool up here. It's scary to speak to people publicly. It's not easy. It's hard. Some people have said that there have been surveys done that people would rather die, that it's a greater fear to publicly speak than it is to die. Right? Let's test that. So I want to choose one of you out of the audience to come up and finish my lesson. Is that okay? Some of you are dying right now because you know that I'm crazy enough to do it. So there is within me, I want to do a good job. Is that a bad motive? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a good motive. But that's in there. You can't get that out. Right? But what can I do? What can you do in a situation like that? You can take stock of what the right motives are. And you can move the wrong ones out and focus on the right motives and make that your heart's desire. Do you get what I'm saying here? Now, some of this is theory, but I'm doing my best, right? I just know me, and I've been a Christian for a long time, almost 30 years. 
And if I'm still struggling with this stuff, I imagine you are. And I know Reese has been a Christian a lot longer than me. And I can tell you, he still struggles with a lot of this stuff. So what is bad motives? It's not just that you have that within you. It's that that is your primary driver. Your primary driver. So what is that driven by? Well, what James says that that is driven by is a friendship with the world and a sinful desire as the root. So the bad motive, again, we're, we're not dealing with did you ask God or not. We're dealing with you asked God, but now you've got to deal with the internal stuff you face. So the bad motive is this sinful desire that you have within you. And you letting that drive the situation. You letting that drive your motive. And so that has allowed you or that has forced you or that has caused you to make the decision that you are going to embrace friendship with the world. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, you may be just throwing out some ideas and examples. All of us are motivated for companionship, right? We want, we want companionship. Maybe it's on the level of husband and wife. Maybe it's just somebody that, you know, appreciates us and likes us and loves us. We're motivated and driven by a sexual relationship. That's just a natural drive that we all have. We're motivated for success, right, in some form or another. We want to excel on the job. So when does that become, when do any of those things, because in and of themselves, they're not sinful. When do any of those things become sinful? Well, when we embrace friendship with the world and, 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 and our own motives as opposed to God's when it comes to sexual relationships, for example. You know, I have a, a friend outside the church that I've known for years and years. I bet you have many like this. And he's been married and divorced many times. And each time... He's gotten divorced. He has gotten back in to a sexual relationship with a woman within weeks or months. Even though in some cases he was married for years and years. And we would have talks. I mean very frank and very real talks. And I've said, look, you are going down the exact same path that you have treaded all the other times that you've been doing. This was someone that believed in God, that believed in Christ. But it was that... He was so motivated wrongly to fill that need that it put him on the wrong path over and over and over again. Does God hate sex? I hope not. He created it. He created a desire for it. But if you seek it wrongly and you embrace friendship with the world and you say, well, the world says this is fine, or the world says this is okay, then guess what? Ultimately, you're not going to get what you want. I want you to excel on your job. I want to excel on mine. You know, there are ways to excel in your business that are underhanded. You can lie. You can tell people one thing and give them another. You can work all the time to the sacrifice and detriment of your family. You could be working today. There are people right now that are doing that. So is that desire for success and to excel on your job 
the wrong thing? No. But if you're motivated to embrace the world and put aside your relationship with God to seek success in the world, then guess what? Ultimately, you're not going to get what you want. Do you, do you get that? Is this making sense? Here's the, here's the thing. It doesn't end there. Right? Fill in, again, fill in your desire. I'm just throwing out a couple of ideas. But it doesn't end there, you see, because when you embrace that friendship with the world, when you embrace the wrong motives that take you down the wrong path, then, guess what? There are two results from that. And this is the amazing thing about God. One result is what James calls pride, anger, quarreling. This is where, you know, we know we're not getting what we want. We're in a bad relationship, or we're unhappy on our job, or we're unhappy with our friends, or we don't like how we're fitting in, or we're not being successful, and so we're just angry about it. We're prideful about it. We're arguing all the time with other people about these things. But there's another option, too. And the other option is that there can be... Even when you've gone this far down the wrong path, you can embrace humility and friendship and a relationship with God. Is that amazing? You know what's cool? When I did this, again, I did this for me. Like, just when I was trying to sketch it out and understand it. I was like, I was like, you know, they, they both end up in the same place. Like they can both, you can go so, you can go down the complete opposite track God wants you to and still end up with God's favor. Is that nuts? I mean, I wouldn't do that for you, just so I say that, right? I mean, it'd be like, really? No. But God allows that. Look what he says back in James 4. He says, You know, back to verse 2, you desire but do not have, so you kill, you covet, you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask for wrong motives. You get all that. We talked about all that. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means hatred towards God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that he jealously longs, meaning he wants to be with us? And then it says in verse 6, but... He gives us more grace. It's like he looks at all the mess, all the wrong decisions, all the wrong motives, and rather than saying, this guy is just not what I am looking for in the kingdom of heaven, he goes, this guy needs more grace. (laughs) Is that amazing? That's why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but he shows favor To the humble. Whatever it is that you want in your life right now, whatever it is, whether relationally or materially, whatever you're driven by, you know, start thinking through what are my real motives for these things? What what is it that's really driving me for that? I'm not telling you to psychoanalyze yourself. You can if you like, or you can call Larry Wong and he can do it for you. Or what? But, but, you know, take stock. Take stock in what is driving you. What are the underlying motivations that are driving you to be who you are, to do what you do? And think, is this an embracing of the world or is this an embracing of friendship with God? 
And, and, and it won't be perfect. It won't be like, well, it's 100% friendship with God. No, it's never going to be that way. But you have to make a cognizant decision. You know what? I am going to push aside these wrong motives. And when I put aside these wrong motives, it may mean that you have to make decisions in your life. You know, a decision in your life might be, and it could, it could be anything. It could be your commitment to the fellowship. It could be, you know, getting with the brothers or getting with the sisters. It could be sharing your faith. Maybe you're afraid to do that on your job because you're afraid of losing your job. I don't know what it is. But when you say, you know what, I still want to excel on my job. I still want to excel in my relationships. I still want to build a comfortable, awesome life for my family. I still want to make a difference in this world. And you say, you know, I am not, though, going to be motivated for my own pride. I'm going to be motivated for God. Then you're going to say, you know what, I've got to cut this out. I've got to stop doing this thing. I've got to stop missing midweek. Or I've got, to, I've got to stop saying to the brothers that I'm not. Or you know what? I need to start confessing my sin. Or you know what? I need to start practicing humility. I don't know what that is. But when you take stock in your motives, you're going to have a path to choose. Does that make sense? You're going to say, you know what? I can keep going this way and just be driven by these forces. Or I can say, you know what? What are the underlying motives and we're in church, so I, I kind of think I know what you want your motives to be, right? That's the cool thing. I mean, I'm speaking to an acceptable audience. You want your motives to, to be about friendship with God. I know that. So you dig deep, and you take a good look. And you put whatever desire you have into this kind of matrix, if you will. Do you want a happy marriage? Are you asking God about it? No, it should start. You're asking God, okay, why are you asking God? What's the real purpose behind it? Have you blown it and now you're not willing to be humble? And so that's causing fights and quarrels? Do you see what I mean? You can literally take anything you desire and you can put it into this, this desire matrix. By the way, I trademarked this, so don't think you can steal that. I'll, I'll sue your butt. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's church. I won't sue you. Just send the brothers after you. You want financial success? Awesome. Awesome. Are you generous now with your giving? Uh, no, I'm not. Then you're not going to be generous when you have financial success? Wrong motives. Clear. Yeah, I mean, you just, this is for me. This is my stuff. Put your stuff in it. Put your stuff in it and say, okay. Where am I at? Where do I want things to be? Thank you, Reese. You know, the, um, the first century Christians died for their beliefs. You know, they did. Uh, all the apostles but John died as martyrs. Peter was crucified upside down because he said that he didn't believe he deserved to be crucified the way Jesus was. Life for them sucked in this world. It did. You know, right now, in this day and age, even now, there are other places in the world where being a professing Christian, sharing your faith, reading the Bible, you could go to jail. You could lose your business. Maybe you could die also. People are, even to this day, in other parts of the world, Dying, being martyred for their conviction about Jesus. But not us. 
not us. So if right now, if you're suffering in your life for being a Christian, like you shared your faith on your job and, and you got reprimanded, bravo. Bravo. Good for you. But if you got reprimanded on your job for being lazy or not diligent, that's shameful. If you're fired for being a Christian, bravo. But if you're fired because you blew it, man. You know, there, there, are, there are reasons that our life can suck at one time or another. Maybe it's circumstance. Somebody got sick, family member. But that's God willing, temporal. Hopefully those things will change. You're certainly motivated that they should, so pray, ask God, look at your motives. At the end of the day, God's providence, He'll decide. But you know, sometimes our life can be challenging because of our own screw-ups. That's okay. That's normal. We're not perfect, right? What do we do? We humble ourselves. We embrace it. We get help. And we get motivated to change that. Because it's okay to want. See, that's what James doesn't say but implies. He implies you want all this stuff. Great. Are you doing what's necessary to get it? Or are you just blowing it? So what do you do about this? Right? You throw it in the matrix. You take a look at it. You try to figure out what your motives are. But let's say that maybe you're in the wrong place because of your own mistakes or your own errors. Maybe your marriage or your family or your friendships. Or maybe you're going down the wrong path. Maybe you're just to be accepted. You're in with the wrong group of friends. What do you do? You know, there's an answer. Verse 7. Let's read it. James says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. You know, this is so hard for me. I'm a happy person. You know what I mean? I don't want to grieve, mourn, and wail. I want to laugh and celebrate and have a party. I do. It's just who I am. And I would love to have a party out of my problems. But sometimes you have to grieve your way out of your problems. That is what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? Maybe there's some things going on right now in your life. Because God has been in opposition to you. He has gone to battle against you because of this. You've set yourself up. The pride. You know what? It's okay. We've all been there. What do you do? You change it. You make a decision today. Say, you know what? I've got to turn this around. I've got to really humble myself. I've got to come clean. I've got to talk about what's on the inside. I've got to come clean with myself. I have to think about what my motives are. I've got to think about what's going on inside. And if I submit myself to God, if I humble myself before Him, He will grant you favor. How great is that? 
He will give you more grace. You know, He can fix anything in your life right now. Is that cool? Anything in our lives He can fix right now. We must submit ourselves to Him. You know, Reese mentioned uh, Kevin Maines and uh, his, uh, his funeral. And I didn't know Kevin really well. I knew of Kevin, and we were in, you know, groups in leadership in the church at one time or another. And, of course, I knew him through Reese and others. But it was shocking to me what happened because he's younger than some of my best friends, like Reese and Marty. And, and I'm like, wow. You know, he was playing sports, playing picky, pickleball, which I don't know what that is, but... You know, I mean, I, it's vigorous, and, and he never recovered. You know, in verse 13, James says, Now listen, you who say, i got big plans for my life. Today or tomorrow, we're going to go to this city, spend a year, carry on business, make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist. That appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, you know, if it's God's will, we'll live and we'll do this or we'll do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. You know, life, life is short, right? I'm 52. I know I don't look it. I get that. I, I know that. Look like I'm 30, 20, 28-ish. No, I'm, I'm a, a ish. Yeah, I'm a specimen of physicality standing up before you. I get that. I get that. You don't have to say it. It's okay. Uh, but life is like flying by. I got two kids out of the house. I have a 16-year-old sophomore. He's going to be gone soon, God willing. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um. I got goals for my life, you know. I got ambitions. There are things I want to do. I want to make a difference in the world. I want to make a difference in the world around me. I want to make a difference for my children. I want to see my grandchildren, God willing, my great grandchildren, if God blesses me with. I don't know. I mean, right? Like, but it's a mist. It's 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 a mist. It's, it's here today. It's gone tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen with me or my life, but I, I know this. And I think you can know this for yourself also. I mean, if we, if we like, wrestle with our desires, not, not to deny them, but to, to funnel them correctly, to, to, to focus them with, with an embracing of friendship with God, to focus them with a, with a, a humility and a desire to make a difference you know, what could God do? What could God do for you? What could He do with you? What could He do with me? And if we don't do that today, we're going to get to it tomorrow? Will we? I don't know. We, we may or we may not be able to do that. I pray that we will. But, you know, as the Scripture says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of decision. Anyway, I hope this was helpful for you. This is the stuff that I looked at for me. I even showed you the proof. 
You know, see all those scribbles. It's my stuff for me. I hope it was helpful for you. I hope you take a good look at these things. I hope you don't just think, well, all my, all my desires are wrong. I don't think they are. I think your desires are good. Maybe your motives are off. Maybe, maybe things need, but you get it. I've said enough. Let's go ahead and have a prayer, and then uh, let's go have a great afternoon. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, um, thank you for your word. Um, man, your word is so rich. It's so deep. Sometimes I read something that I've read a hundred times, and I just don't get it, and I've got to dig deep. And I thank you for the passages that we read in the book of James. I, I pray that they'll be helpful. Pray that we can take a good look at our motives. I pray, Father, that that we would make a difference in this world like you want us to. Uh, We're not promised anything. We're certainly not promised tomorrow. So if it's your will, God, we pray that you would help us to make a difference in this world. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day.